Hebrews chapter 2. We're going to, I'm ex- honestly, I am wound up about tonight. I, I could hardly wait to get here to, to teach this to you. Uh, this is, if you will understand tonight's Bible study, I, I mean this when I say this, religion as a whole will fall apart to you and that book will open up in a way you've never seen it before. You'll understand the entire Bible just from this one lesson, if you'll listen. And I, I think I can help you tonight. Hebrews chapter 2, look at verse number 9. But we see Jesus, who is made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. For it became him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all one. Now, that's a key statement right there. Watch this. For which cause he is not ashamed to call them, what? Brethren. Saying, I will declare thy name unto my Brethren, in the midst of the what? Church. Will I sing praise to thee? Now I want you to notice something. Uh, God's talking to the Hebrew people here. Now the word sanctify. That doesn't mean some guy wearing a dress and he's been declared holy. The word sanctify means this. Set apart for a specific use. The, this pulpit is sanctified. It's not holy. Do you know it came from an oak tree? Probably several different ones. Did you know that some of the wood from those same trees could have been used for a dance floor or a liquor bar? But the wood that we purchased was sanctified. It was used for a specific purpose and it's set apart for that. Does that make sense to everybody? The wood is not holy. The purpose of this piece of wood and how it was put together is sanctified. <clears throat> we didn't pray over it. We just did what God did. But the, the purpose of it is set apart for specific use. Now, listen to this very carefully. God was not for the Jewish religion. God is not the God of the Jewish religion. He is the God of the Hebrew nation. God said to Abraham, I will make you a nation, not a religion. He said, I will make thee a great and mighty nation. And when he talks about his people, he's talking about the Hebrew race, not the Jewish religion. Just like not every American is Baptist. But I believe more Baptists are right than any other people are. I didn't say all of them. But I want you to say some, see something here. Uh, look at uh, Hebrews chapter 2 again. Look at verse number 14. And again, I will, uh, I'm sorry, verse uh, 12, not 14. Uh, look at verse 12. S- uh, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the what? Church. 
church. Now, look at me. Jesus said in Matthew 16, upon this rock I'll build my church. I want you to notice Jesus did not come to build a temple. Matter of fact, the Jews got mad at him because he said, I'll tear the temple down and rebuild it in three days. They said, that's blasphemy. It took us 40, 46 years to build this temple. You're going to raise it up in three days? <laughs> what? No, you're not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. And you're not your own. You're bought with a price. So God said that the temple that the Jews were <laughs> having their religion in is worthless. He didn't say he was going to build a synagogue. Now hang on. He said, upon this rock I'll build my church. So the Jewish religion is not something... By the way, it was the Jewish religion that killed Jesus. What in the world are Baptist churches doing, bringing it into their church services, trying to mimic it? Amen. Trying to explain the Bible by it. It's as wrong as we get. You see, as you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, notice how many times Jesus and the disciples were preaching at the temple, getting people saved to bring them to the church. Well, I don't think you ought to preach like that about other religions. Well, Jesus went to their parking lot and preached to them. Don't get mad at me. <laughs> They were getting prospects for the church at the temple and the synagogue. Now, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 20. This is a little bit of a transition point here that I want you to see. And then we're going to jump into the real point of the lesson here in just a moment. Acts chapter 20. And look at verse number 28. Take heed, therefore... Under yourselves, and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the what? Church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. That's a statement that you ought to mark. Jesus paid for the church with his own blood. At Calvary. I'm about to make a statement that you don't hear very often. The price for the church was the same price for your salvation. God loves the church as much as he loves your salvation. Because it's the same price. The preciousness of the church is as great to God as our salvation. That's why church isn't about what we want. It's about what he wants. He paid for it. It's his church, not our church. So the church is as close to the heart of God as our own salvation. God put the same price on it. By the way, this is why I get upset with churches. This is why I get upset with denominations this is why I get upset with so-called preachers that say the blood of Christ isn't important. It's the death of Jesus. Heretic. 
bad doctrine. When they start taking the songs about the blood out of the songbook, well, we don't need a bloody religion. Bless God, took the blood of Jesus Christ to buy our salvation. And it took the blood of Christ to give us the church. You take the blood away, you take salvation away, and you take the church away. It's nothing more than a country club. Anybody doing okay? Don't get me mad. I'm just getting started. It was not the death of the lamb at Passover that saved the Hebrew people. It was the blood applied to the doorpost and lintels. They could have done everything right but not applied the blood and the firstborn in their household would have died. It was not the death of the lamb. It was the blood applied and as the death angel came, when he saw the blood, he passed over that house. That's why it was called Passover. No blood, no Passover. No blood, no salvation. No blood, no church. Now, this is where the rubber meets the road and we're going to squash the frog. Amen. Those of you that remember Atari, Frogger, amen? Yeah, game over. Anyway. Shut up. Not a little. I am. When God called the Hebrew nation out of Egypt, he called a prophet named Moses to lead them. He led them out of Egypt. They went across the Red Sea. Then he gives them two tables of stone. In it is the laws. In it is also the guidelines and the blueprints for something called the tabernacle. Everybody remember that? We'll see it in just a minute here. Listen to this very carefully here. Let me show you how religion has perverted the Bible. Everybody look at me. If you miss this point, you miss it all. The tabernacle, and I'm going to use use an illustration to, to define it. The tabernacle was like the Capitol building is to the United States of America. It was the center of the government, not the center of religion. You see... God wanted to lead the nation of Israel. He was the God and the king of the Hebrew nation. And he set up shop in the tabernacle. That's why there is a tabernacle in heaven. It is the throne room of God. We'll see that later. And when he came to earth, he wanted his office here to look just like the one there. And it was not a religious center. It was a government center. Now, hang on. I'm going to back this up with plenty of scripture. The Ten Commandments had nothing to do with going to heaven. They were civil law, correct? Now, watch this. That's why there's no such thing as Old Testament law, New Testament grace. 
because the tabernacle had nothing to do with going to heaven. The tabernacle had to do with the government of the Hebrew people that they were to take into Canaan land so that God could be their leader. That's why the very first commandment in Exodus chapter 20, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. You say, why? Because when man in the Hebrew people chose a different God, then they took their government and turned it into God. The tabernacle was the government headquarters for the Levitical priests. The Levitical priests were the politicians of the day. They were the ones that were supposed to walk with God and know him well enough so that when he commanded them what to do from the words of God, they would go and tell the people that's why the tribe of Levi was not given any land in Canaan. Because the Levites were to be in all of the 11 other areas of Israel governing them. Everybody got that? Now hang on. The church has always been the plan for God and his people. Jesus did not shed his blood for the temple or the synagogue. The temple is the permanent structure for the tabernacle. Jesus did not shed his blood for the tabernacle. He didn't shed his blood for the temple. Or for the synagogue, that was Capitol Hill. That was government headquarters. He gave his blood for our salvation and for the church. Well, there was no such thing as a church in the Old Testament. Oh, yes, there was. I'll show it to you in scripture. Number one, let me hurry. Everybody doing okay? Somebody smile. All right. Number one, the tabernacle was given as the center of governing the Israelites so God could lead them. Go to back to Exodus chapter 20. Go ahead, turn your Bible to Exodus chapter 20. I want you to notice something here. Exodus chapter 20. And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And then he goes into what we call the Ten Commandments, correct? By the way, if they had something to do with going to heaven, why did our forefathers post them at the courthouses in America? Because it's civil law, not spiritual law. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt make, uh, not make unto me any graven image or likeness or anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. And he talks about these ten commandments. By the way, the two tables of stone that Moses took on to the mount had more than ten statements written on them. Please don't take this the wrong way. I don't think I'm doing this any disrespect. But Moses was no dum-dum. I think Moses could have, in 40 days, memorized 10 statements, don't you? Amen. So if he broke them, he could have remembered them. Amen. 
There was far more to it than 10 statements. Everybody doing okay? Say, what was on there? The rest of the book of Exodus and Leviticus and the blueprints for the tabernacle and the blueprints for the Levitical priesthood and their garments and the breastplate and all the different things that went with it. And I'll show you that in a moment here. But from Exodus chapter 20 through Exodus chapter 39, you have all of the civil and the moral laws given that were written on those tables of stone. So for the next 19 chapters, those were all given by God to Moses. And actually he took his finger and wrote them in the stone himself. And drew out the blueprints for the tabernacle in everything necessary. Watch this. You say, why? <laughs> because there was a true tabernacle in heaven. And as Moses saw God drawing the blueprints, he said, Moses, watch this. And he pulled the veil of heaven back and said, this is what it's supposed to look like. In color. Hope he wasn't colorblind like me, amen? <laughs> Instead of gold, it would be green. Uh, but anyway, uh, <laughs> now you have to understand something. Moses got far more than ten statements. Moses was smart enough to have memorized 10 statements in 40 days. That's four days of statement. I think he could have done that. You see, there was a lot more to it. Now, I want you to notice something about the opening of the tabernacle and some things about the tabernacle. Turn to Exodus chapter 40. Clear to the... Last chapter of the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 40, look at verse number 1. The tabernacle is complete. Everything has been, uh, we'll use the word sanctified. Uh, Moses has taken the oil and uh, he has sanctified it. He's, he's prayed over it. God has blessed it. Now God is talking. Now watch this. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying. Now watch this. These, these next few words, we read right past them. On the first day of the first month, thou shalt set up the tabernacle of the tent in the congregation. Look at me. Does it say the first Sabbath? No. Does it say the first Lord's Day? No. It says the first day of the first month. Oh. So it wasn't religious. It was government. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Had nothing to do with the Sabbath. It was the first day of the first month. He said, I want it set up and ready to go on New Year's Day. Let's kick the year off right, he said. Didn't matter if it came on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or even Saturday. Say, what day was that, preacher? It was the first day of the first month. Doesn't say what day of the week. It just says the first day of the first month. You see, if it were religious, it would have been the Sabbath. But it wasn't. It was government. 
Now watch this. Go to Exodus chapter 40. Look at verse number 34. Then a cloud covered the tent of the congregation. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter into the tent of the congregation because the cloud abode thereon and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Now watch this. And when the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the children of Israel went onward in all their journeys. But if the cloud were not taken up, then they journeyed not till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was upon the tabernacle by day and fire on it by night in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeyings. When God was in the office, you didn't move. When he picked it up, it was time to follow him because the tabernacle was the office of God judging and ruling the people of the Hebrew nation on the earth. That's why the instruments in the Ark of the Covenant were to lead into battle, to lead into the crossing over of the Jordan River. As they went to Jericho, they were to carry the Ark of the Covenant, the very spot, the throne of God, and carry it around before them and follow a certain distance behind. Say what? Because God was leading, not man. If we went to, uh, go back to Exodus chapter 13, very quickly. Oh, hurry up. Exodus chapter 13. Lick your finger and stick it in somebody's ear or something. Exodus chapter 13, look at verse number 19. And Moses took the bones of who? Joseph with him. Okay, watch this. Joseph was who? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and he was one of the patriarchs. God started the nation of the Hebrew people the nation of Israel, through the patriarchs. During the famine, they left Canaan, went to Egypt, and spent the next 430 years in Egypt. And Joseph said, when you leave, take my bones with you because I want to go back home. So they picked up the patriarch, the original leaders, to take them back home to the land of Israel. No longer under patriarchal rule. Everybody doing okay? (laughs) By the way, that's why God did not want the Hebrew people to have a king. Do you remember when they asked him for a king? He said, you don't want a king. I want to be your God. And he said, if you get a king, he's not going to be what you want. Let me read Hebrews chapter 11 to you. You don't need to turn there. I'll get there faster than you because I'm already there. Hebrews chapter 11 verse number 8 says this. Above when he said sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering of for sin wouldst thou not neither had pleasure therein which are offered by the law. Then said he lo I come to do thy will O God. He taketh away the first that he may establish the second. 
by the which we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Then you go to uh, chapter 11, verse number 8. The Bible says, by faith, Abraham. Abraham. The father of the Hebrew people, right? By faith, Abraham was called to go out into a place which should after receive for an inheritance. Obeyed. And he went out, out not knowing whither he went. By faith, sojourning in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. Now watch this. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. God was the builder and the maker of the nation of Israel because it was going to be the chosen people through which the Messiah would come, trackable from Abraham forward to the birth of Christ in Bethlehem's manger. He had to rear a new nation. Now, number two, this is where I'm about to shout. God tells us there was a church in the wilderness with Moses. And it wasn't the tabernacle. Turn to Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7. And look at verse number 38. Uh, Look at verse number 37. This is that Moses, which said unto the children of Israel, not to the Jews, right? To the children of Israel. A prophet shall be the Lord your God, uh, raised uh, up unto you and of your brethren, like unto me, him shall ye here, this is he that was in the church in the wilderness with the angel which spake to him in Mount Sinai with our fathers who received the lively oracles to give to us. Oh, oh, oh. God said that there was a church In the wilderness. Who was the pastor? Moses. And God. And God gave them the oracles. The two tables of stone in Mount Sinai. With all the things necessary. Now watch this. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. For those that say we fundamentalists are all fun and no mental, put this in your pharisaical pipe and smoke it for a while. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, they couldn't find their way out of a wet paper bag. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, look at verse number 1. Moreover, brethren, I would not, uh, I would not that you should be ignorant. That means ignoring the truth. How that all our fathers were under the what? Cloud. Well, now, wait a minute. What, what cloud was that? 
That was the cloud of God and the glory of God over the tabernacle in his leadership of the children of Israel for those 40 years. Correct? Okay, watch this. And all passed through the sea. That's the Red Sea when they crossed over. Now watch this. And we're all, what's the next word? Oh, unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Now, let me ask you a question. There's only one purpose of baptism. That's after salvation, correct? And it's to be a part of the church. Did you know they crossed the Red Sea before there was a tabernacle? So the church was before the tabernacle. And they were baptized into the Church in the wilderness. Turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Everybody doing okay? Man, I'm having fun. Hebrews chapter 10. Look at verse number 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Now watch this. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. The word assembling there is the word ecclesia or the word churching. Not forsaking the churching of ourselves together as the manner of some is. But exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. God says we are not to forsake the churching of ourselves together, not the tabernacling, the churching. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Look at verse number 21. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. But ye are come unto the Mount Sion, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and the church. Oh, the general assembly. Do you know what the general assembly was? That was everybody. The church was the called out assembly. The church of the firstborn. Uh-oh. This goes clear back to the patriarchs. Do you remember it was the firstborn who had the family and the priestly rites? So it was the patriarchs who started the church. And they oversaw the church. The church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, judge, leader of government, correct? At least they're supposed to be. And to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus the mediator of a new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. Notice the blood. 
What did he pay for with blood? Well, we know he paid for salvation. And we know according to Acts chapter 20, he paid for the church with his blood. And this is in reference to the church that was in the Hebrew nation all along. Everybody doing okay? Now, I got to hurry. What were the sacrifices and the offerings at the tabernacle for then? Well, first of all, it was for humility. So that they would recognize God as the leader. Their sacrifices were, and this is, don't, don't crucify me for this statement. It's, it was like them paying taxes. That was them paying their taxes to run the government. Because who was running the government? The Levites. That's how they were fed. That's where they got their food. It was also a place to remind them that one day Jesus would sit there as the leader of the Hebrew nation. And all of those sacrifices were showing that he was coming as their lamb before he was coming as their king. Everybody doing okay? I've got to hurry. Let me give you this last point. I'm about to shout. Jesus came as a Hebrew for the kingly law as well as for our salvation. (laughs) If Jesus only came for our salvation, think through this for a second. Brother Jim, he could have left heaven, come down here, got crucified on a cross and gone back to heaven. Same day. But he didn't. He had to be born in a kingly fashion from Abraham through David to the throne of Jerusalem. He had to follow the kingly line. He had to put on flesh that could die so that he could shed his blood for the church and for our salvation. But he had to be born into the Hebrew people through the Abrahamic line and covenant and David for the kingly rites to the throne of Jerusalem. That's why he didn't leave heaven and come here without being born. Does that make sense to everybody? See, you have to understand something. God is just and he's going to do it right no matter what. Uh, Isaiah chapter 9. If you can get there quickly, jump there quickly. Isaiah chapter 9. This is a very familiar passage, especially this time of year. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the what? Okay, wait a minute. And the what? Government shall be upon his shoulder. It doesn't say the religion. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful. Counselor. Did you know that the word counselor is another name for a lawyer or a judge? The mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. That's a kingly word. Of the increase of his 
government, and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom, to order it, to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Notice it's talking about government, not religion. Well, and I won't take time to turn there. You could write these verses down, but in Psalm 22, 8, and in Matthew chapter 2, verse number 6, it calls Jesus the governor, capital G, the governor. Now, turn to Hebrews chapter 8. I'm going to finish with this. I promise we'll be out of here in the next three or four minutes. Well, we'll be standing to do the invitation. Everybody look at me for a second once you get there. Hebrews chapter 8. There is a true tabernacle in heaven. The one that Moses had built was built after the, by the blueprints of the one God gave him from the one that is in heaven. I personally believe it is the throne and the throne room of God. It is the government headquarters of all the universe. Let me show you why. Hebrews chapter 8, look at verse number 1. Now, of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. Now look at me, that means this. The word sum is a mathematical term. That is the answer to, the, to an additional, to addition questions. 2 plus 2 equals... Four is the sum of two plus two. In other words, everything is adding up to this. Correct? Now, with the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. We have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heavens, in the heavens. A minister of the what? Huh. And of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched and not man. Isn't this talking about the throne of the majesty and the true tabernacle, which God pitched, not man? For every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices. Wherefore, it is of a necessity that this man have somewhat also to offer. For if he were on earth, he should not be a priest, seeing that there are priests that offer gifts according to the law, who serve under the example and a shadow of heavenly things, as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle for, see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern showed thee in the mount. But now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry. By how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. You see, the one that Moses had built was a, uh, a replica of the true tabernacle that was in heaven, correct? Now, take your Bible, turn to Revelation chapter 21.
we just took about 30 hours of Bible study and crammed it into 35, 40 minutes. Revelation chapter 21. Look at verse number 1. Now I want you to, everybody look at me for a second. I want you to notice some of the wording used here. Okay? Follow it carefully. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city of New Jerusalem coming down uh, from God out of heaven, prepared as a a bride dawn for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of the heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself shall be with them and be their God. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he sat upon the throne. Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write these words are true, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, it is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. I will be his God. He shall be my son. Now, I want you to notice something here. God talks about the true tabernacle in the new heaven the one Moses saw was in the old heaven but God brings his office with him to the new heaven when Stephen was being stoned in the book of Acts and he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the throne of God I believe Stephen looked up and saw him at the tabernacle When we get to heaven, we'll be able to walk in to the tabernacle before God the Father. And on that throne, the mercy seat, on the Ark of the Covenant, we'll see the very blood of Jesus Christ. He took his own blood there and put it on the mercy seat for our salvation and for the church. You see, when we begin to see the Bible, God's way. When did the Jewish religion begin perverting the tabernacle in the temple? I can tell you. When they started worshiping false gods, then they turned their government into their God. That's why God had to appoint judges. Then they wanted a king, and he said, you don't want a king. Because not only will you pay tithes and do your sacrifices, but then you're going to have to have pay taxes to a king, and he's going to take your children and your daughters, and they're going to uh, do things that you don't want them to do, but you want a king, and they're going to have to run the government. I'll let you have your priests and things, and they'll do your own religion, but I'm the Lord. I'm going to get my tithe. Because I'll be your people. I'll be your God, whether you want to be my people or not. You see, that's when they began to pervert it. So much. 
The very first commandment was, Thou shalt have no other God before me. That means government as well. The Hebrews did follow other gods and messed up governing the Hebrew race. And the word Hebrew and the word Jew are not the same. One is a nation, one is a religion. God never promised to bless the Jews. He promised to bless the Hebrews. He promised to bless a nation, a race of people, not a religion of people. And as you read the Bible, understand the difference. The tabernacle was not for religion, it was for government. The Jews have turned the tabernacle to religion. It was their government. They turned their government to religion. Look how many governments have become gods to people today. Communism. Socialism. Democrats. I mean, Democrats. Even in America, we're letting government become God. Dictatorships all over the world. Say, why? Because we let government become God. They took the government center and said, you be our God. We don't want God to lead us. I don't know about you, but I'd rather have God. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You may not be as excited about tonight as I was, but as you chew on it a while, and I think the Bible's going to start making a whole lot more sense to you. We need to get away from what history has taught us about what religion is, and let's just get the Bible and take the Bible for what God says.